Okay, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your host, B-Magic. I got my boy Noise with me. And today on the podcast, we have a very special guest in Sandy, the Sandy Lion. She is a teacher, a stylist, and an image consultant. We talk about her rise coming up in the education system as a teacher, working with kids with special needs. Really dope combo. We talk about what it's like to grow up in an all-female household. She is a family of all sisters. Yeah, honestly, it was very intriguing when she got into that. And we also get into how she was able to turn her passion for fashion into a career. And while juggling that on top of also being a full-time teacher at the same time. Yo, man, Sandy Lyon's a hustler, and she definitely motivated me, man. She gets her work done. And speaking of being that hustler, she also talks about taking over the music game as her next Yo, her next I was endeavor. surprised. I'm like, save something for us, man. She's doing it all. She's killing it. <laughs> Follow her on Instagram at The Sandy Lion. This is The Immigrant Hustle Season 1, Episode 3. Let's go. Okay, welcome to the Immigrant Hustle. I am your host, B Magic. Alongside me, I got Noise in the Building. Yay, yay. Also, we got another co host today, my wife. Introduce yourself. My name's Jasneet. Okay, and today we got a very special guest. Please introduce yourself. My name is Sandy, the Sandy Lion. Okay, make some <laughs> noise for to Sandy be Lion. And hold on, we got a, a second special guest in the building. Okay, who's That's this? Izzy. Izzy Smalls, the one and only, the first dog to ever come on our podcast. We don't actually have her mic'd up because she has too many uh, hot takes, but um, <laughs> yeah, she's going to be joining us. Uh, too controversial, man. She's too controversial, man. You know, I don't want to put my dog out there like that. You know, she might get some hate. So also behind the scenes, we got our homeboy Nav, you know. From the freshman list, Nav himself. Yeah, the one and only, you know, now he's filming for us, so we're kind of on, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, today we have a very special guest, our friend Sandy Lyon. If you do not know who she is... Sleeping! You are sl- First of all, you're sleeping. <laughs> and you're slipping. And you're slipping. But uh, first of all, she's our friend, and beyond that, she is a fashionista. Uh, what would you call what you do? Stylist? A stylist? Yeah. Is there like a fancy word for stylist? Because I know Creative there's... Creative image consultant. Oh, shit. <laughs> See, okay. I like that. I like that one. That's the shit you throw on the business card, right? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's on my business card. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Today, one of our topics is going to be fashion. We're going to get into your story and all, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but uh, what is your background for those who do not know? So, I'm Punjabi. Sick. Yo, Drug shout out to all my Punjabi. Punjabi. Five, four. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, when did your family come to Canada? So, I don't remember the exact year, but my father came to Canada in the 70s. The he 70s. was the first of his family. Okay, okay. Yeah. And where did he reside when he first came here? He came first to Rexdale. Okay, and then shout out. Yeah, and then um, after that, he moved around a lot. He was sent back. Yeah. He had a pretty rough situation coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, not to cut you off. So what was that situation that led him to being sent back? So 
he didn't have a lot of people around him that were supporting him. Like he he came here illegally. Mm-hmm. And shout out. Yeah, and <laughs> so he, he was somebody ratted him out or yeah. some something, and then he had to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then he came back, and then he brought my mom over. She also got sent back. Um, and then they had my sister who like had to stay in India for like mm. the first 14 years of her life. I had wow. I never met her until wow. she was until I was like maybe eight. I don't I don't even remember. Wow. That yeah, we had a pretty interesting come up. Um, so was your childhood first spent in Rexdale or where, where was your most of your childhood? So I was born when my family was living in Brantford, Ontario. Shout wow. outs to Brantford. Yeah, straight up. In Brantford. I still got family in Brantford. Yeah. Okay. So I was born there when they while they were living there for just two years. And then we came to like to to Malton and then we moved to Brampton. Shout out to Malton, yeah, so shout out to yeah. Brampton. Yeah, when I was born at, shortly after we settled in Brampton. So that okay. was like the first time we like touched the ground. For those who may not, because uh, every time we talk about Brampton and all these places, I keep forgetting that we're going to have uh, listeners and a viewership from places that outside Brampton. of here that may not know. But this is, we're talking about the greater Toronto area right now. Um, so like, what was childhood like? Uh, like, how many siblings do you have? What are your first memories of the, the household? So I have three older sisters. Um, Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest. Okay, shout out to all the youngest child. (laughs) Yeah, and shout outs to all the families that are just girls. Okay, all yeah, girls. Yeah, that's a yeah. whole podcast big up, topic big on its up. own. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, um, we could we could spend two hours speaking on talking just that. on about that. And yeah, I remember having lots of moms because my mom, my older two sisters. Um, and and growing up in like a bungalow style house in Brampton, I had a pretty is he sneezing? <laughs> um, Sneeze attack over here. I had a pretty, from what I remember, a pretty normal childhood. Grew up in, uh, I went to like all the typical Brampton high s- uh, schools like yeah. Hickory Wood, Fletcher's Creek. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up around a diverse set of people always, and it was just nice, cool. The the only thing that was interesting. And that I remember is just like being from a family of just girls. Was it a lot of a lot of women in your extended family as well? No, um, my dad had seven brothers and four sisters, and my mom has seven sisters and four brothers. Oh. So it was yeah, it's like flip flop. Yeah, yeah. So it not really, but it was just super interesting that mm. they just had four girls. But I don't. I, I remember the mother aspect coming from the fact that a my mom worked nights, mm-hmm. so my sister, the only one that was here, because one of them was in India, um, she played the role of being my mom. Like, well, my mom was asleep yeah. during the day. The only sister that I have more of a sisterly relationship is the one that's just two years older than me, because we mm-hmm. were close. We went to all the same schools together, yeah. and she was always the older sister. I can kind of relate because like the I kind of have a gap in my family. Like I'm the youngest, and my oldest brother is 11 years older than me. Yeah. My middle brother is six years older than me. Yeah. So it's like I never went to school with any of them, so yeah. I never had that tightness. Like that, I found more through my cousins, and then like through my brothers, it was more like, like it was kind of like having two. Like my middle brother, we were we were closer in age, so we were like I felt that brothership with him. But my oldest brother, it was like. He was the one taking me to like soccer games, this, yeah. that. So he was like another father figure for yeah, me because, exactly. 
likewise, like my dad was always working, right? Or they or come home and they're sleeping and this and that. But uh, that's a nice thing to have too, to have somebody that kind of understands the Western world a lot more than your parents do at that uh, time. Absolutely. Right? They, need, they needed a coach. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, how was your high school years? Like growing up as a teenager, like being in a in a all girl house, like that must have been crazy, no? It was crazy, but it, it was always like my parents always raised me like you're a girl, but that doesn't mean you're allowed to do anything less than a boy. But like, just be careful what you wear, and like, be careful like not to bring a boy home, like those yeah. typical things. But they were always very like you can do whatever you want, just be good. Your grades are expected to be nothing less than perfect yeah. and you have to just maintain that. And so my older two sisters always maintain that. So it was, I just remember high school being like, I have to do good. I have, like I was a goody two shoes, yeah. teachers, pet, everything. Like, and I was, I went to Turner. I had, I knew everybody because my sister was older than me and she went to school and was, um, in grade 12 when I was in grade 10. Yeah. So I knew everybody, but then I was just also like kind of, I don't know, a loser. I didn't really talk <laughs> to anybody. I just went to school. Um, I was friends with everyone, but I didn't really have like a clique that I hung out with. And mm. then I just came home, made roti, did my homework, went to sleep. <laughs> like I had a very scheduled life back yeah. then. That's dope, that's so, dope. With, um, with your sister kind of being like another mother to you, was it huh. difficult to you know, kind of pull those high school flexes? Because, like, you could say to your mom, like, oh, I'm going to go stay oh, over here. Dude, there were no high school flexes. No? We were never allowed. <laughs> Straight up, we were never allowed. Um, and it was, A, because my mom was like, no, like, I don't know. I don't know how to approach these situations. Yeah. And then my sisters were, were young, yeah. but they were also expected to make those decisions and help my mom with them. And so they were just like, no, nah, no. Nah. Like, they mm. don't need to be going out on weeknights. They don't need to be watching The Simpsons. Holy like, shit. I was never allowed to watch The Simpsons. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah, so I they were just trying to do their best job helping. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch X-Files, but <laughs> that's a <laughs> yeah, lot more I, hardcore I, than uh, My Simpsons. parents weren't allowed to watch Married with Children. Really? Uh, yeah, that was raunchy, though. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was. At times, yeah. Simpsons? Yeah, Simpsons? Yeah, I still Simpsons. hold that against my sisters yeah. every, every day. So if you're listening, like, I said it. <laughs> still beef, still beef. Um, so like, like what? Like obviously, you're you seem like you were more of a homebody. It, like yeah. while you're staying at home, like what are you doing to keeping it? Like obviously, you're doing the the typical chores that a Punjabi girl has to yeah. do in a household that the guys get away with not doing <laughs> most of the time, which is bullshit. But um, like what what are you doing to like make yourself busy? What are your interests? What are your passions? Back at then, that, back then at that time. Um, I used to read a lot of books. Other than that, I was I was dancing. That okay. was a big yeah. When I was in elementary school, I joined Bangra team, Nachdi. Okay. So I was like one of the Nachdi, first. Nachdi, Jawani. Okay. Yeah. And Shout I was squad. yeah. Gang. It was OG. I was an OG back then. <laughs> like it, there was nobody else on the team. We didn't have an an, an academy and like. It was there were no classes, there was no team, so okay. it was that was my hobby, and that became something that I did like all throughout my high school. Nice, like doing that and then being in school. And were there a lot of girls on the team back then? No, it was really hard uh, getting girls to like you know join a Bangla team. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't for a long time, and I was just teaching. 
for a while. Okay. And then we slowly got more more girls, and then it we became a team and started competing and everything else. Nice. And I used to do like leadership conferences back when I was in high school because my sister did them. Okay. So like I grew up just wanting to do everything she she did, Gurjeet, and um, so she would sign herself up for these conferences and travel and like go um, meet people from around the world and just. Whatever, it was an excuse. That was that was a way I could leave the house. Yeah. If I could be like, look at this paper, this MP in Brampton <laughs> is sponsoring me to go. Please let me go, mom. Yeah. And how long did you dance for? I danced up until my first year university. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, are like, you talking like competitions? Like competitions. Out? We only like our girls team was only we only did competitions. We okay. didn't do any situation where we were like dancing and getting money. Okay, my coach okay. was really just not into that. He didn't want us to he do that. He was in it for the art of the dancing Right, itself, and he was like, I just want like you guys to focus to on this. Trying to make money off a wedding or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and so we we did only competitions. Nice. And Yeah, so it was good. Or like other corporate performances and what have you. But yeah, it was cool. It was a great journey watching girls join the team and leave the team, come back. And like, you know, people joining the team and just watching the evolution of the academy. And now they have like 10 locations. Yeah. Um, did you have a lot of arts in the house growing up? Like with, you know, you, you said your sisters mm-hmm. were in leadership conferences, but um, in, in terms of arts itself, like were they dancers? Were they mm-hmm. into music? Um, none of my sisters, no, other than fashion. But um, my dad actually grew up singing mm-hmm. and he was in a Tadijata. Okay. So he, I'm from Ramuala, which is a band near Moga, mm-hmm. which is where there's a family of poets. Nice. Um, I don't know if you guys know Paris Ramualia. He's an, uh, a sh- he used to write poetry, and so he, I guess, taught other people in the band, and they yeah. used to write poetry and do kavishiri, mm-hmm. which is like, which is spoken word, yeah. exactly the Punjabi version of it. And so he grew up in that, and he sang, and then would do like Dadijata stuff, and he sang uh, with her budget man, and wow. yeah, I'm dropping Just too dope. many names. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. You can name drop all you want. It's okay. I don't like half of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. So, like, d- like, did you grow up seeing your dad sing, or was this uh, was this yeah. something that he did in his teenage years, or? Um, he did grow up singing. Like, I, I grew up. Ha- we would always have little sessions at our yeah. house at night. Okay. And like dolki in the living yeah, room and all that. Yeah, dolki and like the, the serengi, <laughs> serengi babajis and yeah. like all of them used to come to our house and just oh. like And that's great that he was sing. able to, to keep that up because I find a lot of times with our parent generation when they come to Canada, they, they drop the arts altogether. They do and it's, it's not just my dad. Like I recently, my dad's elder brother came to Canada for uh, just to visit and I saw that in him. Like he would just secretly like he, he would just secretly go into the corner and like write in this little book and I was like I asked him I was like what are you doing yeah. and he was like I'm writing my poems and I was like can we do something about this can I buy you a recorder you can record them like yeah. this you can't just be like writing it and not doing anything with it and he's like no I'm too old for that now mm-hmm. but I see it in him and so many of my dad's other brothers um and my dad as well my dad was kind of like the breadwinner of his family like he's the one of the youngest so he was the one that was sent out to Canada he was the one who's singing they would like put on like mm-hmm. he would you know at the Gurdwara he would be the one that was put on to perform for the family it's it's funny because like even with my mom like she I didn't even know this for the longest time but she did a lot of poetry and like speech competitions in her like yeah. teenage years and then 
this is something that I didn't know at all growing up. And then once I started rapping, then my mom started telling me stories about like, yo, this is what I did, right? And then she's like, kind of got it from, yeah, Yeah. right. That's uh, like without knowing, that's where I got it from, right? And then, kind of the older I got, and the more like, yo, I started get getting put on through music and stuff like that. She was like, that's when she started telling me these stories, and I was like, wow, like I had no idea about this, right? And now, like, her seeing me pursue it, it kind of made her pursue it again, right? Because she was so busy working, like raising us. And then now kind of when me and all my brothers are grown men and moved on in life, it's like she now has the time to go back to the arts. And I was was pushing her in that direction. I'm like, go write your poetry, go do Mm -hmm. this. And like, she's literally in a a group with like Jot's mom, uh, with uh, Fateh's mom. And they're all in like this poetry group. And it's crazy because she just came full circle because like, she didn't do it because she was raising a family, right? Yeah. But it it was in her, and I didn't even know that for the longest time. Which, it, like that generation, their art kind of got suppressed through the immigration Absolutely. struggle, right? And a lot of their stuff is about you know women's rights. Like they're yeah. more about you know your daughter-in-laws are not just your daughter-in-laws; mm-hmm. they're like your daughters and all of them. Like they have International Women's Day conferences, and they host many different events too, where they get to. That's awesome. It, it, that. It's pretty dope for me to see my mom yeah. do this now because it's like, yo, she's the little hustles that we were doing through music. Yeah. It's like now she's got her little click. She's doing all this and got that. And Auntie Wu Tang. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight Wu-Tang. up, straight up. Um, where does fashion come into your life? Because I feel like a lot of people want to know this part of the story because a lot of people know you for for this, right? You're really good at what you do as a stylist. And you got swag. So uh, does this start from the way your parents dressed you? Does it come from seeing seeing old family pictures, or was it like your old sisters influencing you? What what was like? What are your early memories, and when did you start owning your swag? Loaded question. <laughs> um, I think it came from a lot of different places. Like my early memories of like going back to school shopping like my mom would specifically be like okay sunny that's what they called me you have two shirts suki you get two shirts you get two pairs of pants you get two pairs of pants and like you're not allowed to cut your hair and one pair of shoes like (laughs) (laughs) figure it out so i grew up having to like just try to be creative with what i had because i wanted to look good i wanted to stunt on people so um and then i also have memories of my dad, he loves to dress up. So anytime we have like a hall party, he's like, you know, pulling out his clothes. Swing and he, he's a taxi driver and he yeah. irons his clothes every day the night before and he picks out his bug to match his shirt. Um, watching him do that and then also watching him get made fun of by other like uncles. Like, yo, he's like, what is he doing? Like, who has time like that? Yeah. And just watching that all, I think, played a part into what I... And then stealing my sister's clothes, my older two <laughs> sisters. So just Yo, like, like working with what I had. I'm the king of that. Like my my middle brother Jazz, he hates me because anything he had. Remember when the, like I loved the the baggy clothes era when everything was triple yep. XL, <laughs> because I was able to wear like my brother was in high school, <laughs> I was in like middle school, and like I would rock his shirts, but it was okay because that's when t-shirts down to the knees were acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, the Soldier Boy era. Yeah. The Soldier Boy era. It was crazy. Like. But yeah, karma I hit you for that one because now I steal your clothes. So. Yeah, see, it's it's all karma for all the clothes I stole in my early ages. Yeah, I remember when my sister would go away for trips or whatever. 
Uh, me and my other sister, Suki, would steal her clothes, wear them, and then put them back exactly how we found them because she would know. And we get in trouble every time without fail. <laughs> that causes a lot of drama. Like, I have a, my, my Bua's family, three girls, one boy, and they fight over clothes all the time. So did you yeah. ever have, like, those kind of conflicts of, regarding clothes and who would wear what? Oh, yeah. We <laughs> fought over clothes all the time. We fought, like, me, I never fought with my elder two sisters, and I don't even think to this day I ever have because they were always just so much older um, but Suki and I we fight all the time like we would get into fist fights <laughs> everything we've done it all yeah. the Rexdale the would come out yeah always Rexdale Malton slash Brampton everything yeah. slash my <laughs> darkness like everything just slaps into one um, so okay we talked about high school years now post-secondary was there any pressure to to like go university was that something you wanted to do like what was the next step in your life after high school after high school my parents were like you have to go to university it was definitely an expectation yeah they didn't care what i did but it was an expectation for them it wasn't like you have to be a doctor lawyer engineer it was just like go to school do whatever you want but just go to school because it'll you know teach you something yeah um and so I didn't know what I wanted to do up until like the last year of high school. And I thought I was like, I'm going to run for the elections. I'm going to be a politician. I'm going to go get my <laughs> bachelor's. I went to U of T downtown and like that was what I thought I was going to do. And then instantly in, after my first year, I had so many different changes happen to me just in that year that I was like, like F everything. I'm just going to change my entire life plan. Mm -hmm. And my my elder sister and her husband were both teachers okay. so I was like okay this you know they, they seem happy like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and so I graduated with my bachelor's and then I went to teachers college and nice. then I did my master's and then I became a teacher amazing was surprise that, <laughs> was that like something you thought you would ever do or was it once you kind of saw your sister and your brother-in-law do it then you kind of had the pretty much the blueprint to how to kind of go buy it I like I, I just remember always being confused, like yeah. not knowing. Um, Trust me, I've and been there. even to this day, <laughs> I think like I'm still there. Yeah, yeah like I'm not still, knowing, like what am I saying? <laughs> I'm definitely still there. <laughs> like, what do I want to do? Like, what problem in this world do I want to solve? Essentially, yeah. that's what we're trying to figure out. Uh. So, I j just didn't know, and I felt like I had a powerful voice. A lot of people knew me through Pangra. Um and so I was like, okay, like this might be a good thing. Like, if I could run for the elections. And then instantly I was like, hell no. Like as soon as I went to university. Um, Were you interested in politics at all? Like why? I thought I was, yeah. but I was more interested in like foreign policy. and like you, were, you were interested in change and then you realized all the other bullshit that comes Yeah, and I was like, I don't even think the changes I want to make can be made through this avenue. Like maybe. And, and that's also when I was like, I just, I love learning. I love being in school. I love going to school. I love everything to do with school. I'm a nerd. Yeah. So I was like, I like that about it. And I like that it's a great, you know, schedule. Like your, your year is set up perfectly. And I saw that my sister had a pretty easy time with it. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And so I did it. Okay. So like the process is you go to teachers, college. Yeah. And then once you do that, like 
you start like substituting classes mm-hmm. and then like how long up until you get like a full-time role in a classroom or and even even before the full-time role what was your first in. your first yeah, substitute like, experience like um i used to love having substitute teachers by the way like that was just easy money every time yeah um i think well as soon as I, I went to school, I realized it would be good if I got my master's so I could get in right away because it's tough. Like, they've made it really difficult in the GTA to become a teacher. For sure. Um, and then there's just a lot of people in the system already that, like, need to be taken out. Mm-hmm. So it's just, in general, not the best system. So I went and did my master's, and that's probably what got me right in the yeah. door because it's like a little red sticker, you know. And so I did that. And as soon as I did my first practicum, I got hired onto the supply list. So yeah. I, my first supply experience was just at a school that I did my practicum at. No and way. it was, um, I, I'm definitely spoiled in that sense. Like I've had my three or four schools that I've worked at, but yeah. every experience has been in those three schools. So it was great. I love my job. Like I love mm-hmm. teaching. I love being with kids. What uh, age group were you doing when you first started? Um, my first contract was a grade eight. Okay. Yeah. So That's like my a, first a legit. Age. Yeah. Yeah. But before that, uh, in my practicum, I had taught already grade two and grade six. Um, okay. But my first, my own class was a grade eight class, and it was exciting because when I went, like when I was in school for teaching, the entire time I was like, I'm gonna be six, seven, eight. Like I'm gonna be an intermediate teacher. Mm. Like. I'm going to work with the grade eights. I'm going to work with the older kids. But that that changed. <laughs> how, do you, how do you like working with the younger ones? Um, I like working with them, but I'm very particular with which age groups and grades yeah. I teach. And which was the lowest grade? I'll grade. only go down to three. Yeah? <laughs> That's it. I'm not going lower than three. I can't. It's, I can't. I just can't. It's just too much to handle. So with, it is. With kind of like that intermediate age. So I remember like grade eight, my grade eight class, we were like some, some shit starters. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> we made teachers cry. Like we, Yo, trust me, we grade eight, my class was horrible. Yeah. Like, so like, do you, what are time. some of the, like, the challenges you run into with that age group in particular? Um, with that particular age group, I've been lucky to have a really, really bitchy experience and a really good experience. So I taught in Brampton. Well, both of my experiences are in Brampton, but I taught in like like the richer parts of Brampton. Okay, Castle Where all the desis are. Yeah, yeah. And then I've taught in like like downtown Brampton, like mm-hmm. the hood. Yeah, yeah. So they're poles apart. Um, and it's, I, I find that you, the, the best way to do it is just communication. You really have to just, let these kids know that you like them. Yeah. They need to know that you like them because they start fish. They don't have the best um, empathy at that age. And they also are very much exposed to things like social media right now. Mm. So you really have to just let them know that you're on their side, number one. And I'm, you I'm get so them. happy that you even just said that because <laughs> it's like I remember so many teachers where I could even tell that they didn't want to be there. And because that, there's judgment. That, yeah, yeah, and that rubs off on you as a student. Totally. If that person doesn't want to be there and isn't more ecstatic than you to be yeah. there, then how the hell are you going to ever uh, live up to what is expected of you, right? Like Absolutely. You, they have to be as engaged as they expect their kids to be, right? And obviously, kids are dicks too. Like, yeah. not every kid is going to, just because you're all excited, they're going to be excited, mm-hmm. right? But 
it's kind of your role to let me figure out a way to engage with this kid, yeah. right? And like, is that something that you enjoy doing? Like, you know, breaking down maybe a tougher kid that might get forgotten in a system like the education system. Um, I love it. I do love it. I feel like I do have a way with kids. I'm like the kid whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) I've just always been like growing up, even now, my nieces and nephews, like I spend a lot of my time with them. Um, So I do love the challenging children, but I think that the reason why that is, is because I don't spend my full year in the classroom. Yeah. So I, um, back, even going back to your question, like I, I did supply and then I became a contract teacher. Mm-hmm. And then you, your next step would be to be permanent. And yeah. I'm not, that's not something I'm even trying to get because I enjoy just being there for like six months, giving it my all and then like being done and like doing it at my own convenience mm-hmm. because teaching is definitely a job that you can get burnt out very fast. For sure. You see the same people, every day for eight hours and you're not just like seeing them like you are in the office like they're your responsibility and by the end of the year you get burnt out Mm -hmm. so i think the short increments that i do allow me to have more patience with the troubled kids so i usually get them all but it's okay one thing (laughs) one thing you mentioned was social media in the classroom and that's not something that our generation had to deal with when we were 12 13 14 years old um, so what are the what are some of the challenges with social media in the classroom and how has that kind of changed your approach to teaching or how has, how has it kind of changed just the school environment? Man, this is literally like the demon in my life. Mm-hmm. Like also being a social media influencer, seeing it from that angle as well and then being a teacher and knowing that all the people, the kids that follow me are real people because I teach them. So it's just, it's the thing that like I hate so much. It's been horrible i would definitely say it's really hard to see kids having to try to navigate the things that you already have to navigate when you're that young with social media like it's hard enough for adults um so it's it's i don't i haven't yet figured out how the best way to do it is but communication is definitely one um you you have to be one person in their life that's gonna give it to them in the way like they th- that they don't like like get off your phone or yeah. you know no you can't use your phone for this or like you can't be um dependent on social media because they're not getting that from other areas in their life so you you have to help police that situation it's tough and i i don't think anybody's come up with a the best way to do it because we're all as adults also dealing with it so yeah. I don't know, but it's definitely hard to see yeah. because there's issues that girls and boys have that I could not even imagine. Like, yeah. Have you had kids identify you as Sandy Lyon? Yes. <laughs> and how was so, that? <laughs> well, in my first teaching experience, that school, like, so I started the Sandy Lyon as soon as I graduated. Mm-hmm. So both of these cherries were propped at the same time. Nice. <laughs> um, so when I started teaching, all the kids slowly found out that I had this fashion side, so they kind of were with me on my come up. So at one school, they don't really care. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm Miss Gill before I am the Sandy Line. Mm -hmm. But then halfway into my teaching life, I taught at another school, the one in Brampton, where um, or downtown Brampton. That was, like, immediate, like, lineups at my classroom door, selfies, like, Sandy Line's here, like, she's a teacher at our school. (laughs) And that, yeah, so there's been both, but it's, like, I prefer being comfortable, Yeah. unfortunately. So do you deal with a lot of kids with different behaviors, like 
children with autism or special needs or any other? So we have we do have children with autism at our schools, mm-hmm. um, but I've never been the teacher of that class. Mm-hmm. I have taught that class drama, so mm-hmm. I have had a once in a week interaction with them. Um, but there, when when you have a school that has children with special needs, yeah, it's they're like part of the full community. So yeah. you see them in the halls and um, yeah. So I've had experiences with them. Yeah, and I think you had mentioned before that you that you're good with kids with behaviors, like different kinds of behaviors, and those are the kids that are kind of attract to you the most. Yeah, I didn't always think that would happen. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, when I started teaching, that automatically started happening. Like I always ended up getting a lot of the, the students who had behavioral issues, or they would just naturally do well with me. Mm-hmm. So when I was supplying, teachers would call me in for their class because they knew that you know, the, the kids wouldn't, like, mess around when I was there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have. I think it, it works that way because I have, I'm exposed to, to so much that's hip and happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I can talk to the kids about Migos. I can talk to yeah. them about Tupac. Like, <laughs> you know, like, they, I can l- get to their level. And, like, I'll probably out-talk yeah. them. So exactly. they, I guess, you know, I guess they feel like friends. Yeah. That, that friendship also, or... Kids also sense fear, right? Yeah, they sense fear, but they're also more afraid to disappoint somebody they like. Yeah. So that's kind of, that works to my advantage. So they they like me, they think I'm cool, I got 90,000 Instagram followers, like I'm, you know, (laughs) they want to be my friend. A little humble brag in there. (laughs) It works, it works out. Yeah. No, because like the kids I deal with, um, I work with kids with autism and special needs, so a lot of them are in the school system and they're either doing half day or they'll do, you know, three days where they're full time in school and come two days with us and then we do behavioral therapy. So we deal with a lot of different different types of scenarios where, you know, either kids are in the mainstream classroom or they're put in like a separate classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In terms of that, like, have, have you ever had any kind of experience where you have, like, because you guys have TAs. Or TAs yeah, we have classroom, TAs, right? in, and they're kind of just distributed based on need and, mm-hmm. like, the the students. Yeah. Um, I mean, just like any other system, it's super flawed, and it's... Yep. We're just trying to figure out what the best way to get those kids, you know, serve those kids their needs mm-hmm. that they, they deserve and just trying to figure it out. It's, I, I find um, some situations work better than others. Yeah. Like, it, it really depends on the child as yeah, well. It does. Because, like, the kids that we deal with, most of the things that we hear from the parents is that even though they're higher functioning, which means that, you know, they don't need that much assistance, but still do need assistance, that they don't fully get it from the TAs because they're busy with the other... With the other students, yeah, yeah because there's not... Um, they, they allot the TAs depending on the, the students and how many mm-hmm. of the other students are in the class. Like, I don't know what the exact system is, but yeah. they do. I know that there's always like a change and the, the teachers are always trying to get used to having either one student and yeah. that, only that student yeah. or being in a classroom with like six students and exactly. having to divide their time between them. Yeah. So it's... Which is hard enough. It's tough, yeah. 
Um, so you kind of touched on, on this earlier, right when you took the leap to kind of go the pursuit of teaching, you made this leap of creating Sandy Lion. Mm -hmm. um, for those who do not know how Sandy Lion started, um, like where did this idea spark? Um, was it something you thought about for a while or like where did this all begin for those who that, that don't know? So like I always loved fashion, but I didn't know how I would put that into work. Like I, I knew I knew I'd like to have a clothing line one day, but I didn't know what what should I what steps should I take. And my parents were also very insistent on like get a a job that'll like help you put your ground your feet on the ground and then do whatever you want. Like yeah. go become a rapper. It's fine. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. They're totally open to that. Um, so I that as soon as I graduated and I got my job, I was like, okay, like what can I do? And I was in a gr a good environment at that time. I had Lily, you know, she was just starting her like YouTube stuff and like humble, and these folks were trying to coach me as well and tell me like, okay, start putting your stuff on Instagram, take your Instagram and like unprivate it because I was an Instagram snob before and I had a private Instagram <laughs> profile, so and I would just only let like cool people get through yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they were like you need to first unprivate it yeah. and then just start putting one picture of your outfit online every day like just do that and see so where it takes you at first was it like outfit of the day like yeah that, is that the right term yeah i think that's what i day, that's yeah. the hashtag i yeah. always see so i worked i remember working at a law firm while i was still in university because that's what paid for my my schooling yeah. so i was at the law firm every day while I was like on summer vacation from school and then I would go into the bathroom at that office mm -hmm. prop my phone up like <laughs> against the <laughs> toilet stand and like go back and like pose up and uh, then it would take a picture on timer and then I'd go back into the law firm and pose that picture that's <laughs> sick. that was my life for a solid two years while I was doing my my schooling volunteering teaching and then like doing my law firm job just trying to See, Find that, that is an awesome story to hear because people always expect, oh, I got to get myself a, a big backdrop. I got to I got to get myself a five thousand dollar <laughs> camera. Like, no, you if you have an idea, first of all, just try to execute it mm -hmm. in whatever means you have. And then obviously, the better you get at it, the more you're going to yeah. you're, you're going to realize I need a better camera. I yeah. need this. I need it's that. But it's the fact of just doing it doing because it, exactly. you're, the, the first thing that you need is the, the satisfaction and the joy of doing it. Yeah. Right. Once you get that, the rest of it comes yeah. easy because it becomes a passion. Yeah. Right. So you started doing it like that. You have people who are influencers who are pushing mm -hmm. you. Um, were you worried about putting yourself out there in that way? Was there any type of insecurities at all? Or was it like, fuck this? I'm going to just show my swag and, yo, if people like yeah. it, they like it. Um, it was, to be honest, I don't know. That didn't happen. Like, I just was rolling with the punches. I was like, okay, like, I'll post the picture. And ba mm -hmm. back then, Instagram was tiny. Yeah, yeah. So the people that were liking it were people that I already knew liked me as a human being. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, cool. My ex double tapped my picture. Cool, cool, cool. But like, it was people that I knew. So it wasn't, yeah, yeah. It wasn't um, putting myself out into a new world. But then it grew. Mm -hmm. um, it was a moment, there was a moment where I was like, okay, like, this is my opportunity to really paint myself how I am and yeah. to kind of like share my passion with the world. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it just happened organically. 
like I think my high school years I got rid of like my insecurities of how I looked and yeah. how I presented myself from the outside to people so I was just like I don't really care about so that so by the but time you did this you're you're already you're a, you're the woman you are is the woman you are and you're confident in your outside, own skin from the outside yes from the outside course, Every, we yeah, battle with that with, with that kind of shit yeah as men as females all yeah. throughout our life right but yeah. you were at a position where you're like fuck it let me do yeah. this and it Let's doesn't see matter what happens yeah, yeah. like I, I i didn't feel like i was sacrificing anything in my life right just i wasn't scared i was just doing it for doing it i was like this is fine cool what kind of like at the starting was there any sense of joy or pride like what was like what was your kind of beginning goals and like little milestones that you hit when you first started my goals were always to help other people feel better through the way they dress okay like because that's that's an outlet that we can use like dress up and you you feel good about yourself or just self-care um so immediately when i started posting there were people that were liking that and then um as I figured out how I wanted to do this, like whether it was just going to be me posting pictures on Instagram for the rest of my life, or am I going to be dressing people, or am I going to be making clothes? Um, I started styling Lily. So she gave me the opportunity to dress her for really a lot of the big events in the beginning of her career. And that was like my, my canvas. So that was the, a lot of my first initial moments were with Lily, like dressed her for the VMAs and that made a lot of noise or then dressed humble for this and that. Like, you know, those moments were always the highlights of when I was able to work with somebody, bring a vision to life and like, you know, share it with the world. So is there a difference when, you know, initially you were just taking pictures of yourself mm -hmm. and then you started working with other people as clients and I guess, what's the difference when you're styling for yourself versus styling for somebody else? And does your mind operate in different ways when you're doing that? Absolutely, it has to, because I'm like, I'm not scared to wear anything. I'll, I'm, I don't have that fear when, when it comes to dressing myself. <laughs> but other people totally, totally do. And for I have clients from all walks of life, from the, the lilies to, you know, everyday moms that, you know, have a day job and then just want some help to figure out what, how to dress themselves. So I've seen so many different issues that women come across or even, even males and they completely think from a different angle. So I've kind of had to tweak my system to work in a way where they can share with me how they feel and what, they, what their end goal is and to help coach them through that journey. I even remember like speaking of like, you know, coming from different views and yeah. like everyone has their own comfort zones. I remember when you styled Guggen for the reception. Yes. The big thing, well, which you did a great job at. Um, I think the biggest thing was like the no tie. The no, yeah. if you remember that. Oh, and well, like, well, just, to, just to give people <laughs> context, right? Like I'm, I'm one of those guys that take like really pride in my dressing. Like yeah. obviously I had my insecurities as a kid growing up. I stuck, I stuck to trends up until a certain point. Then I kind of just realized, yo, it's not about wearing a certain brand name. I could literally wear anything. I could yeah. wear my dad's shirt from the 70s. As long as I wear it a certain way, it's and swagged you feel good out. In it. yeah. Right? And I was like, yo, that's when I realized, like, when you're young, you're like, okay, I gotta have Nike. I gotta have Jordan because, yo, people are gonna make fun of me if I don't have these things, right? But the older I got, I got more comfortable in my own skin. So I was like, yo, fuck it. I can go to the thrift store swag it out and you and look better than a guy that has like a fucking thousand dollar outfit right 
So that confidence I found in my teenage years, but then like I was always just like kind of stuck in my ways. Like yo, even if I blow up and rap, like I ain't gonna have a stylist. Like I know what's popping. <laughs> like oh, like yo, that's the way I was thinking, right? And then I'm like, you got yo, married. these rappers are losers for getting stylists, yeah. right? But then when it came down to my wedding, I was like, I remember me and her were suit shopping, and I kept worst. going to every like expensive place, seeing every tuxedo, this that. And it was the same black suit or like maybe yep. this color that, but it was, the, it was the typical things that you yeah. see, like your same prom outfit, wedding outfit. It's, it's the same way, right? I like to be a little bit daring, but I, I don't think like I'm over the top. Yeah. So at that point, I kind of had a predicament like, yo, everything looks the same to me, right? So I was like, okay. Let me go out of my comfort zone and take advice from somebody. And that's when I hit you up. But about even this. but even then when we were suit shopping, it was like anything that was more daring, they would show you like a little piece of cloth. And from yeah. that yeah. it was you hard really for us to envision. Visual, and it was like yeah. it was like we had something but then we couldn't visualize what it would look like. And my outfit itself was like a different color too, right? So it wasn't something you typically see. Yeah, you didn't I make think it I d- easy. I didn't make it very easy. And pistachio green. Yeah, over there. but I had like. But then when he had initially called me after talking to you, he's like, "I'm gonna tell you the color of the suit. Don't freak out." Like you had to kind of break it into yeah. points. And then he's like, "It's maroon," and I was like, "Okay." <sighs> and then when he showed me the picture online yeah. like i was like okay this is just, just so people know what the process was like i hit you up i was like i, I told you everything i'm like yo i don't like i literally need you to help me yeah and you were like cool give give me the and i was like obviously you have to the, whatever the wife is wearing you yeah. just have to compliment that yeah. as a man even i know that yeah. right like it's not my show it's her show but I have to add to her outfit yeah. by looking good beside her, right? Yeah, and luckily I knew you. Like, I knew, I didn't know you well, but I knew of you. So mm-hmm. I kind of knew of the swag and, like, the kind of yeah. scene that you had going on. So yeah. immediately I knew. I was like, okay, this guy needs to be not wearing a tie. <laughs> Number one, he needs to be the guy in Brampton who gets married without wearing a tie. But I remember just going back and forth with yeah. Sandy about that and I was Yo. like I was like how about a bow tie how about a skinny tie like yeah. she's like no tie whatsoever you but I explained it you explained it. you explained so yo you not only did you you found a look yeah. you, you you found me a place to get it from we ordered it uh, ordered it in online which I was even worried about but yeah, everything yeah. Worked, worked out sizing out worked out well it was really. It was actually cheaper than everything else I looked at, but yeah. it was ten times flyer than anything I looked mm-hmm. at. Which is a lesson in itself that yeah. yo, you don't have to go all out. Like yeah, no. I get it. It's your special day. You want to splurge on yourself? Go ahead. But yo, get whatever looks the best, right? And that doesn't come with a yeah. brand name all the time, no. right? Yeah. It worked out well because you. I knew you would be somebody who would do it. Yeah. And I, I was worried yeah. when you went, when you came because. It was her, her, her lingo was maroon and pistachio green. Yeah. But even like the maroon part, it was like that purplish tone. Yeah, yeah. it was a and, random maroon. And, and it was like, it had like that purple undertone to it. But then the fact that you found a suit a that suit, matched. You know what? It was flashy yet thing. subtle in a way. No, I, if just, that makes it sense. All the stars all. lined up. It was. Yo, it worked out. So, yo, yeah. the, I went from being a skeptic to firsthand seeing what the, the fuck you do as a exactly. stylist. 
And after that, I was like, yo, Definitely she knows exactly what she's doing. I didn't rock a tie. It was a, it was a vest, blazer, pants. And a pocket watch. And, and a po- pocket, oh, watch. pocket watch. <laughs> and then obviously the, the handkerchief, which you gave me a couple, which I, I still rock this to every wedding. And they're dope as fuck. But yeah, everything was a success. Um, everybody talked about my suit mm-hmm. after that yes. time. I he wish, I honestly problems. wish more women would let me dress them for their weddings. And you because know, I would do so much, I would turn that whole fashion upside down. And, and this is why I kind of said this thing where I'm like, yo, I've been stuck in my fashion way. And that's what a lot of people need to realize. Yeah, you can be stuck in your fashion way. But yo, when somebody knows what they're talking about, I had enough of a chime in with you that yeah. I, it could still be me. And obviously you knew kind of a little bit about my style, yeah. right? So you worked with what I already have. Yeah. And that's what people forget. Stylists are not there to make you completely different. No. They're there to work with the personality that works with your who you are. Mm-hmm. And then to enhance that in, a, in an idea that you may not even see yet. Yeah, and that's like, it go- goes back to my stories of when I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I just had to work with what I had. Always. So that's what, since birth, just made me like be the person yeah. who just tried to do that for everybody else. Yeah. And when you're styling like not yourself but others yeah by looking at them what inspires you for the looks you create so i'm i'm big on conversation Mm -hmm. like i can't really tell by the way that you Mm -hmm. look because who knows what if you're dressing yourself wrong yeah Yeah. like in my (laughs) eyes (laughs) so i want to just talk to you and i'll ask like certain questions that are similar to every client like Mm -hmm. what do you want to feel like when you enter a room like when you go into a room what do you want to feel like for somebody like Guggen, it would be, I want everybody to look at me and be like, who's that guy? What's he wearing? How did or you like, know? <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? Because I'm the same way, but times 10. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I know I'll have clients that might just want to be a fly in the wall or like just look professional, look mm-hmm. cute. Uh, some, you know, women want to look sexy or like yeah. whatever it is. So having that conversation with them, asking them how they want to feel, how much effort they want to put into their style on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis, just asking those routine questions helps me kind of figure it out and then i'm like okay if you're somebody who this is all you want to do you just want to look dope every day okay we we can do that Mm -hmm. but then if it's someone who has you know a job at a law firm and they need to look professional every day but then are also limited to what they can wear Mm -hmm. so just gotta work with that it's like it's a puzzle every time yeah but those those questions help i feel like if you ever walked into my closet you would probably make me throw everything out. <laughs> you dress very similar to my sister, Suki. Really? So I feel like I could just take you and put you in her closet yeah. and you would be fine. Yeah. But could you even do something like that where you could just go into somebody's closet and and they have stuff already and I teach you, them how to wear yeah, it. you might be it's, able to yeah, just yeah. throw them, teach them, yo, this skirt goes with that top and that girl may have never even thought of yeah, putting exactly. those two things together, right? So that's also part of my services as a stylist like I have clients who I go to their house I take their closet I sit with them we take everything out we keep some of the stuff if there's stuff they have questions about how to wear Mm -hmm. we do that we throw away a lot of stuff and then after that we go shopping so it's like a whole little process yeah so you're you're not pretty much there to be like oh you dress shitty yeah you help them no it's like okay what's what is your life yeah and like let me figure out who you are and then also, go from there. Oh, uh, what do you find like easier? Is it easier to work with somebody who feels like they have their fashion sense or is it easier to work with somebody who's like, 
I don't know how to dress. Help me. Like, what? What do you? So for? much easier to go with somebody who says, "I don't know how to dress." Help. So me. you're because just number like, one, yeah. they're self-aware enough to just be like, "Can you help me?" Like, yeah. I, I yeah, you're respect not gonna, you're that not you know clash. what you're doing. So just help me figure it out. Because the end goal is to make you feel better. Exactly. And so if we can just work together to yeah. get that, it's better. But then there's also the people who feel like they kind of know. It. Yeah. It gets tough because yeah. I may not agree. Exactly. And it's hard so to clash. hear that. Yeah, so it clashes. And I think, like, on a day-to-day basis that I know, at least with me, like, I'm comfortable with what I wear. And, like, if you go into my closet, it's very blacks, grays, whites. Yeah. It's not much color. And even if it is something I've taken out of Guggen's closet, yeah. it's not my she own. steals a lot of my clothes. I do. <laughs> but it's, like, I think on a day-to-day basis, we just get comfortable with what we wear, and we don't yeah. want to go ahead and take that risk. And that's okay. For yeah. some people, like, I personally think for you, that's mm-hmm. okay because you seem to be happy with what you're wearing. You're able no. to figure it out every day and you work with that. There's other people who aren't happy. Yeah. And those are the ones that, you know, I can help. Because I've had clients who like to wear black and for me, that's okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not that stylist that's going to be like, yo, all this needs to go. You need yeah. to start wearing color. If you like wearing black every day, that's cool. We yeah. can just make it funky. Like, yeah. you know, just get you diverse black clothes <laughs> to wear. Yeah, so you just got to work with the person and what they want. Noise used to be the black god, but like now he's... He's, he's wearing he's the, the dopest swaggiest. t-shirt no. ever. Yo, his t-shirt game is going to destroy me on this podcast. <laughs> so. No, it's funny because like as of like four years ago, I was still rocking double XL everything, <sighs> right? So I've like... I can vouch for this. Yeah, so you. it's only been recently where I've started to Form like fit. actually slim down. But I think a lot of it is... Like people, obviously, people talk quite a bit about you know body image issues for women, but it exists for men too. That's totally. And so I, for you know, for a while, I just did not like the way my body looked in like form-fitting clothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, just like that confidence comes, and you start to own it, and you start to own the way you look. And you know, I'm not the most muscular dude, but you know, I've I feel more comfortable now, like rocking more form-fitting stuff. Yeah. And, that's and that's now you're the is. heartthrob of moving cool. <laughs> so you know, it all worked out. <laughs> okay, so you started styling, right? Like you get these gigs like you're, you're obviously you're good friends with Lily. You're, you're good friends with Humble. How was that like? Like styling and now seeing it on a red carpet? Like that must be crazy from yeah. like just dressing yourself up and putting it out there to now you're on a on a red carpet and being filmed and something that you created is now walking the kind of like a runway. Yeah, it's so much fun. That's the best part. Um, It's fun when, especially when you're working with people like Lily and Humble because they don't hold me back. Like if I say to Humble, I'm gonna put this on your bug or I'm gonna like put you in a bright green tuxedo like he's gonna be like okay cool like as long as i'm com- like physically comfortable in it that's fine that's always easy and fun because i can have a vision i can like do whatever crazy thing i want to do and watch it come to life and watch the person like put their their own sauce into it so somebody like lily like what do you what are you trying to style her like like what is i i don't know the right terminologies in fashion but what's her like look like, what do you think? Or does it change depending on where she is? Obviously, yeah. it does, but like... Yeah. It always changes with where it is. But for me, my, my vision is always just to make her look like hot, like hot all the time, everywhere. Because she, in her videos, 
already puts on so many different characters. Yeah. And I feel like when she does go out in these places, it's her opportunity to like boss up yeah, like, and yo, like, you know, stunt on them. So I just want to go all the way with her. Um, yeah. And that's, I, I find that through my styling career, air quotes, I started with just dressing everybody. And I was like, okay, you're, you're getting married. You're doing this. You're doing that. I'm going to style you. But throughout that process, I've learned that I'm happier just doing the gigs that I actually really like. Mm -hmm. So, like, if somebody comes up to me and wants to get married, if you guys get married again, like, <laughs> if that'll Hopefully be fine not. for me because I don't, you know, I can do it the way I want to do it. But um, I, I'm no longer getting myself stuck in the situations where I'm just dressing somebody to, um, like, holding myself while I'm dressing them, like, not doing my full, full job. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. How did you first make those connections with Lily, with Humble, with Chase? You know, these really great network that you've got. Um, I guess, how did those friendships first start to come together? So with Lily, uh, we both did Bhangra. So I was dancing. I Was Was she on Nuts the No, she started dancing actually towards my last leg of dancing. So I'm so like, like I'm a retired OG. <laughs> okay. You got out <laughs> and, the and game I can before say that. I totally did. Like okay. I went to university and I stopped and that's when everybody was doing SAA yeah. and all the, the York University Pangara teams were Next. starting up and I was like sitting in the back with my retired ass <laughs> like, just watching. But um, yeah, so I met her through that. So she was on another team. She was doing some sort of documentary on Pangara. Okay. And so she came to one of our practices. And then at one point, um, she was doing a competition in another city. And one of the girls, they needed another dancer on their team. So they got a dancer from, from Natsdi. And they had to like make up this whole lie because that girl could not leave and join the competition unless she said that like her sister was coming with her. So I had to like pretend to be her. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> so Lily knew all these things about me before I even met her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah Pangala well, competitions are a lot crazier than I thought. <laughs> well, for her to get out of the house, like she had to put on yeah, a whole yeah. story. Yeah. And Everybody's because I danced for yeah. so long, my parents never did that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like the kid whose parents would just roll to every competition. <laughs> my mom would like make the jaw and be there. So... I met Lily like that. So she knew everything about me and was like, yeah, yeah, I know you're Sandy. You have one sister. Like, I've had to pretend to be her once. Like, <laughs> I know everything about you. Uh, and then we just, from there, she would start making videos. And every time she'd need extras, she'd call me. And then that's also how I met, met Chase and Oceany. And then I met Humble through her as well. Nice. Yeah. Seeing her rise, like, mm -hmm. what, was, what was that like? Being on the sidelines of that even, was that something that inspired you to even? Because, like... Obviously, everybody's seen her accomplishments, but she, that girl works her ass off, right? Yeah. Like, I got to hear it through Humble, and I got to see it as well, yeah. right? But, like, was that something that was inside of her from the beginning? Was that something that you saw as a friend right away? Like, this girl's just getting shit done, like, whatever she puts her mind to? Or was that maybe something that she gained along the way? Um, like, we literally saw every step of the way, so... I would say it was just, it was like watching a movie, to be honest. Like, in the beginning, like, we were there for every single milestone. Like, she just hit 14 million people on YouTube. I can close my eyes and remember her one milli party in her backyard. Yeah. Like, I, it's been such a blessing to watch it. And it's, it's helpful because, of course, as somebody in the creative field, I'm able to go to her five questions um, and just see how she did things, apply them to my life. And just as 
a person. It's been interesting yeah. to watch her grow and go through all the different things that you see so many different people, celebrities going through and just how she handles it. It's been helpful. It's been like humbling. Even amazing. Even like seeing her circle, which is a lot of your friends yeah. as well. Um, you can tell that it rubbed off on a lot of you because totally. you have all found your niche in whatever you guys mm -hmm. wanted to do. And you guys have uh, you guys have that work ethic. I yeah. see it in you. Um, I remember seeing your early work to now where it's uh, every day. Yeah. There's uh, Sandy. I come across Sandy Lion in my timeline every day. Mm -hmm. And that is not annoying because I'm proud of you for working hard. Yeah. Right. And people. People might think that I remember there was a time when I was doing music and I was like scared to keep posting because mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, my friends are going to be like, yo, shut up, man. Like, yo, we already like, you know, I felt like I was spamming people. But then the more I realized, I'm like, no, if you're not going to self promote yourself mm -hmm. like this, then nobody's going to nobody's do it. nobody's going to be a bigger fan of yourself than you are. Yeah. And nobody's going to take your work more serious than you do. And like when like. For you, when did this whole styling thing, like, when were you like, fuck it, like, I want to put my head into this and, like, go as far as I can with it? Like, was there a certain point or was it something that from the get-go you're like, I'm taking this as far as I can? I think the first time um, I styled her, that's when I was like, okay, this is going to happen. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to keep consistent with my Instagram stuff. But... I'm gonna create something that lives outside of Instagram ultimately. Mm -hmm. And it was always from then that was the goal. But there's always times where you go up and down, like, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, you know, forget this. I'm just gonna be a teacher. Like, that's it. I'm just gonna stay there, be a teacher, yeah. all of that. But you you figure it out. It's like the motions. And that's what I've just come to realize yeah. recently because I've picked up on the patterns like you there's good days there's bad days yeah. you don't want to do it sometimes you want to do it sometimes some days you're working really hard and some days you're being lazy and it's just that's just emotion yeah and you just have to for your figure it out. for your day-to-day -day videos like on instagram like yeah. i see them too and i'm mm -hmm. like you know it inspires <laughs> me to like be like oh like i didn't know i can use like your recent one was like styling a sundress yeah in like many different ways yeah. so for these concepts do you get messages from your followers or what kind of like plan do you have or is it just one day you you're like let me just try this fashion so those video. videos actually started um i just like any influencer you go up and down and you yeah. hit like a point where you're like i don't know what to do anymore and again like for me this entire thing i I'd like to say that I had a, a, a self-awareness that I was like, I'm not just going to be somebody who posts pictures of myself on Instagram. Like, yeah. I, I was not okay with that for mm -hmm. myself. And then being a teacher, knowing that the people who are following me are real people, people that are, like, soaking in whatever yeah. I put on the internet, it became very important to me to have content that was valuable. Yeah. And that was, the videos happened right before I hit, like, a point where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I just, like, left and went to New York. And I recorded yeah. my first video in, like, a bathroom stall at my boy's like office mm -hmm. and that was my first video I was like this this is going to be my new value like I reached my point where I felt like I wasn't doing anything valuable online mm -hmm. and people know that like it, they feel that yeah. your followers right so I just stopped and then I came back with the videos and it did really well and yeah. and the videos themselves are 
me in a nutshell. Like that's yeah. again what I do. Like try to figure out different ways to use items and just make the most of your closet. Yeah. So I figured that was something that I could make like a mini lesson out of and just yeah. share with people. You know what I like about it? There's that human aspect of it just looks like you are running into your closet, you're coming out and you're in front of your window. Yeah. I mean, your mirror. mirror. Exactly. Yeah. And it like that's the aspect that I like. It's like some shit that like I do that shit. Yeah. I'll go throw on a shirt. And then you're like, this doesn't look up, good. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, swagging out like I'm gonna get these bitches. Like, all <laughs> that shit. And then I go back and I'm like, nah, I look fat in this. Like, I didn't go yeah. like, yo, and that's the that's kind of I think the relatable aspect. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. Like, yo, people do that shit. Yeah. People like run through probably a million options before they're happy with something, right? Yeah. But it's just to see that, and now that you're you're like, yo, this is different ways to do it. And that's what I feel like kids should know too. Like, yo, you don't have to just rock what is cool. No. You can grab that same thing and rock it three different ways and make it cool in different and styles. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody. No and one's that, gonna know. And that that's kind of that once you realize that your clothes is a part of your personality, I feel like that's when you start owning it. Absolutely. A lot more. Yeah. Totally. I'm gonna make a Simpsons reference. I don't know if you'll if you'll catch it. Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> We're gonna have to call humble and you, yeah, you don't because he's just gonna be together. disappointed with me. Don't even tell him. Uh, but you remember that episode when Marge buys the Chanel dress? No. And literally every event <laughs> okay. she goes to, she, she just works. changes the way she rocks it. Hey. Yeah. So she like maximized that one piece. So I think just like what you described right yeah. there, kind of reminded me of that where you don't have to have the most stuff but it's the way you present yourself and the confidence you infuse into exactly. the exactly and the confidence is going to come with how you feel wearing it like if you don't like wearing heels mm -hmm. stop wearing heels because when you wear them you're gonna you're you're gonna be exuding like insecurities because you're not feeling good in them so it's just i feel like that is something with passion that a lot of people forget a lot mm -hmm. of people think that they're dressing for others but that's, that's for, with everything in I life know, i of course right and that's yeah. that's part of the human yeah. aspect right but that you have to you have to get to a po point in your life where you're so confident and that you're like i'm gonna rock this because this makes me feel good when i go outside yeah obviously there's certain things like yeah when somebody compliments you that obviously that's, that's gonna, gonna make boost you, you yeah. it's gonna boost you but the thing is the, the greatest thing is when you look in the mirror are you confident with the person you see mm -hmm. cool once you go outside yeah somebody might be like yo what are those or this that and <laughs> yeah. that but like ultimately if you're happy, then go out in the world, keep your head high. Somebody's going to yeah. say something, something because you. somebody doesn't like Nike. Somebody doesn't yeah. like Adidas. Somebody doesn't like guys who wear stripes. Somebody, so. It, my sisters still make fun of me every day. And that, yo, I was always that guy, like, yo, my, I would rock, like, you know, a colorful freaking suit. And my dad would be like, to gay like that. Right? And, it, it, you know, and that's just his thinking, right? Like, it's just the way he is, right? But I'm like, I'm like, dog, you used to wear baby blue tuxedos in the 70s. Like, yeah. who are you to be to me right yeah. now? Like, Bell bottoms with Yeah, my dad had the Beatles haircut with yeah. the fucking... Yep. With Corduroy. The, with the, uh, yeah, with the, with the sideburns to the almost close to the mouth. Like, I'm like, I'm like, who are you, right? And then my mom always punks them too, right? It's like, you did all this shit when you were young. But that's yeah. the thing, right? When, I guess when I'm a dad too, I'm going to do the same shit. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you kids wearing? Like, <laughs> In terms of social media and Instagram, how do you handle that on a day-to-day -day basis? So before I was on it every day, mm -hmm. I was, you know, figuring out how to get my posts to go onto all my social medias and yeah. posting at a certain time and all of that. Um, eventually, I just found that I 
was spending a lot more time on social media mm-hmm. than I ever wanted to. Yeah. And it affects you in so many different ways. Yeah. So I recently deleted the app off of my phone and I have my, my intern make the actual posts mm-hmm. for me. So I'm still active on Instagram. I'm still choosing the content myself. Yeah. But instead of me opening the app and posting it, I just I message it to my intern, tell her, yeah. and she you know does it all. It's just, it's tough. And yeah. again, like seeing it from a teacher's perspe- perspective as well, like there's a lot of aspects of social media that affect us like in our subconscious. Yeah, for sure. And it comes out in like, you know, it manifests itself in different ways. Yeah. And I just found that I was moving further and further away from my original goals of like having a clothing line. I've also always wanted to do something in music. Yeah. And I just never have because I never did. Yeah. And um, then I got my only artistic thing happened through Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that became a full time gig. So well, now yeah. I've kind of divorced myself from it <laughs> and I'm still there, but I'm, I'm doing it in a more, what I like to call a more responsible way. Yeah. Do you feel like did it, when you first deleted it off your phone, did it feel? It didn't, but I way? totally thought it would. I thought yeah. I would have separation anxiety yeah. because we're all always on our phones. For like sure. you open it up, Instagram's there, you see somebody else's life yeah. and whatever, yeah. like you're and automatically consumed. And I thought I would have a hard time. Yeah. But I didn't. It was super easy. I spent a lot less time on my phone. And um, it just freed up time to do other stuff. Yeah. I feel like social media can be a double-edged sword as a creative. Because it's a great tool to promote and connect with people. But at the same time, you're so reliant on it that it can take away from the purpose of what you're trying to create in the first place. Absolutely. Even if you're not doing it for any creative work, like you're just a everyday human being on social media it's Mm -hmm. still a double-edged sword sword because it's giving you access to so much information that you really don't need Mm -hmm. at all and it's just getting into your head and distracting you from things that you probably should be doing even even on a day-to-day basis like anytime i'm on instagram it's like i go from one page to another Mm -hmm. to another and i just feel like i get stuck in this Instagram yeah. deep down an Instagram yeah. hole or something yeah. and it's yeah. just like a new normal and then like I don't know I've just even talking with friends and like even humble like it, we we notice how much we're on our phones and like how much that's going to affect people that are around us like yeah. I'm a lot of my life is spent with my nieces and nephews yeah. mm-hmm. and they're not kids who have devices so if I'm always on my phone that's what they're going to see me doing exactly mm-hmm. and like that's not cool yeah so we have to model the behavior, I guess, that we want them yep. to pick up. I was just told myself, I was like, I'm going to be a rapper one day, but like <laughs> never, ever practice it. <laughs> Everybody says that. And then this past birthday for Humble, I actually recorded something. No way. So that that was like my, like, I'll have a project to do and I'll, that's, I'm going to record something and I have an, a deadline. So I have to do this. Was it a diss track to Humble? It was actually a cover of Lauryn Hill's Lost One. Oh. And then it was like, I changed the second verse and made it into like a semi diss track. Yo, we're going to need a copy of that because we're going to play that right now on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that and I just did that because I was like, whatever, it's a birthday present. Like, you know, this is just, that's all it is. And then after him hearing that and like just the entire process, we were both just like, we are sleeping. Like I'm sleeping on this. And I, I could be, it was a lot easier for me than mm. I thought it would be. Like, even yeah. the guy who I worked with who, per, like, produced it, I guess. Mm. He was like, you're you're fine. Like, you're getting, you're catching the, 
the verses, you were able to remember the verses. So from there, I was like, okay, this has to be something I take seriously. And that was also something that, something that contributed to me getting off Instagram. Because it was just mm. a distraction. Yeah. Like, now yeah. I can just wake up and work on this and this, and I'm done. I'm like, so that's in the, in the works, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, how was that like? Like, that, obviously, we kind of know how it's like to hear yourself on the mic the first time and stuff like that. But how was it for you? Like, you haven't done music before you're you're doing a track the first time you hear your voice what was that like it was scary um because i was practicing like, yeah. i was practicing heavy before i went in so hearing myself like rapping to myself in my bedroom sounded just disgusting like, <laughs> i'm doing this like this just sounds really shitty yeah. but then when i like sat down with evan and who was the guy who, who helped me bring this to life it sounded a lot better because I had the, the headphones in and I can hear my voice and then I'm also on the beat. So it sounded a lot better, but mm -hmm. I was super nervous the entire time. Like, That's dope. For me, the, the memory is the toughest part. And I feel like you really have to know the lyrics really well to mm -hmm. go with the flow. So that's the part that I'm... Trust me, me too. Noise is the only one that remembers all my lyrics. So without him, <laughs> know, I'd be screwed. Yeah. I know all my rhymes and all his rhymes. So yeah. we'll be on stage and be like, oh shit, what's the next rhyme? And like, I'll start <laughs> rapping his verse for him and then he'll catch it from there. Yeah. And then that just made me realize like I, like, I have to really practice it. Yeah. Like, it's something that you can't just wake up and just be like, okay, you know, one, two. Like you can't yeah. just, you have to practice <laughs> it. You have to understand the whole the intonation everything like is yeah pe people think it's just yeah show up and do it yeah. you got to figure out your tone you got to figure out your cadence you got to mm -hmm. figure out your timing your breathing yeah. there's so much that goes into it and the longer you do it the more you realize there's so many elements to what we call hip-hop right but you so you did that did uh, once you kind of accomplish the song and you hear it back was there a sense of accomplishment there? Was there joy in that? Like, yo, I, I, I set a goal that was something out of the ordinary and I pulled it off. Were you happy with it? I liked what I did, what I wrote much better than the portion of the first verse that I covered. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was a great learning experience, but it was also just like, I, this is something that I can work with. Which was, I didn't even know that. I never had tried it before. It was just in my head. Like I was totally a bathroom rapper. And now, like, <laughs> I'm coming for you guys. <laughs> so, in, so in terms of music within the upcoming year, do you have something planned or is it just... I don't have anything planned. Just yeah. practice is yeah. planned. Practice and just trying to figure out a vibe, mm -hmm. like doing covers. I don't know. It's just practice is on the plan. It's in the early stages. Yeah, yeah it's totally in the early stages. That's dope. Um... Fashion-wise, mm -hmm. where does Sandy Lion go now? You're making some noise out here. You're styling some very important people. You're styling everyday people. Where does your heart want to go and where does your head want to go? I want to I keep doing that, the, the online portion and, you know, the one-off styling celebrities. But I want to focus more on making uh, a line now. So yeah. I want to have something that's fusion Indian. Okay. Because a lot of people like or, you know, dig my Punjabi fashion. So I want to do something that serves that. And then I want to eventually have a streetwear line. Dope. 
So now is the time where I'm like, you know, working on ideas and, and yeah. working with different people and bringing those designs to life. Even like your Indian fashion, like, and just the wedding with yeah. this past weekend, like, you can rock anything and it will Thank look you. amazing. I just feel like I, I'm just, again, it just goes back to the fear. There's a lot yeah. of things I'm scared of. That's just, for me, yeah. not one of them. So like, I'll like wear a Raptors jersey with a Lenga and yeah. it'll work. Yeah. But I'm hoping to help people do that yeah. through my line like come out with cool funky designs mm-hmm. non-traditional ones that people dig yeah you know, sometimes you gotta go outside of the box always and if you're turning heads yo that's a good thing yeah you know even if people might be saying oh what's what that doing? Yep. you're still the center of attention mm-hmm. so yo as long as you own it with your confidence then nobody could tell that's you it. shit that's so with it. you know styling creating your own fashion line, now getting into music. Is it hard to balance all of that and still be a teacher at the same time? Absolutely. It's always been a challenge since the beginning, even when I didn't have other things in the mix. But I I found that just having a solid foundation helps that. Like, I've always been working two jobs. So even in high school, I was working. So I've had that work-life balance pretty much figured out. But... This takes so much more from you because it's your own baby. Like, it's your mm-hmm. own business. Um, it's it's just been happening thanks to my parents because they'll have food ready for me when I get home. They don't tell me nothing. You know, they just, like, are there to support me mm-hmm. through the journey. And it just makes so much of a difference because I, if I was doing this on my own, yeah. I probably wouldn't be eating on time. I'd no. be, you know, because your days, like, you start school and then sometimes right after school you're, like, recording, you're styling somebody and then you get home and then the next day you got to go to work. Yeah. So luckily my mom has my lunch packed for me, my breakfast made. I'm spoiled in that sense. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think that's a, a beautiful thing that, you know, sometimes we talk about how within immigrant households, we don't get that encouragement from our parents to pursue yeah. arts or to pursue, yeah. you know, non-traditional careers. And that, I think that's the beautiful thing that they are in your corner for that. They definitely are. And they're, they're so amazing. And it's probably because they had their set of, really struggles when they came here like people telling them how to live live their life sending them back home and just being in a situation where it was just all girls like my parents Mm -hmm. were very insistent on do whatever you want but at the same time had super high expectations so it was it worked and it balances everything out for you too right like to have parents that support you throughout your whole way and they're not only your parents they're your best friends yeah and I feel like at this point in my life like they don't they're also in a situation where, like, they can't say anything to me yeah. because I take care of them. So, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it's it works out. We've always been a team. We've been running the house as a team. And now yeah. Sandy, the member of the team, is just working on something else. And they're exactly. just going to have to compensate in that area. And yeah. that's just... I, th- I think that's a huge thing, too. It's like, obviously, our parents are realist in the sense of, yeah, pay the bills first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's good to always have their support like same thing with me they never stopped me from doing anything but they were always realistic and yo don't drop everything for this quite yet mm-hmm. get build build a career do this and while you're doing that live out your dreams in whatever way we're not going to stop you from making music this that but like the older i got the more i realized yo they're here they're here they're on your side and they can mm-hmm. help you in whatever way you just got to honestly tell them what's going on in your life right and 
it's a beautiful thing once you have something like what you have where they're fully supporting you and packing your lunches when you're on yeah. the go and stuff like yeah. that that is it's very essential to keeping you humble and also making you realize why you're doing it because ultimately we are working hard for ourselves and for our families to have yeah, a good absolutely. life absolutely it's it definitely didn't come easy but i think um one thing that's sometimes missing in families nowadays is the communication oh, yeah. piece like you have to be able to talk to your parents yeah. about definitely. everything and i guess just from a young age like i i don't even know if i'm allowed to say this on the mic but they're like they've always struggled like even yeah. financially and in, in mm-hmm. almost every aspect of their life so it's yeah. always been like a family affair like yeah. we got to pay the mortgage this month like where's that money going to come from like yeah. everybody had to you know yeah. put their pennies in, on the table and now it's at that point but it's still much more stable exactly. so my family is very like okay like you've taken care of everything yeah. but for me that was difficult because i didn't know where to like cut the umbilical cord like i wanted to do my own adventure but then i was also my parents are still dependent on me so yeah. like how can i find that balance that yeah. was very tough for a, for a long time i think the beauty in your story is you you found a career that an immigrant household can be proud of in teaching yeah you use that and you didn't say yo i'm happy being a teacher and this is the rest of my life i found my stability and that's it there was a hunger within and desire within you to do more and this is where i'm guessing your fashion came yeah. from and this and that and that I'm proud of you for doing that because so many people get lost in, yo, I'm just here to pay bills. And to me, mm-hmm. I could not live a life like that. No, I, I, I would, I would, uh, I would hate if I was just uh, here to just work a job, you know, like yeah. in my mind, I get it. We all have to pay bills and, yo, we have to do what we have to do to provide for our families. But there is something that's burning within me and that's why we do things like this podcast and we Mm -hmm. make music and i feel like if you do have that inside you you have to always keep that 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 fire burning yeah Yeah. fire burning that's what our parents didn't do like they came here they got their jobs and they were like okay done and and that's where we are blessed as a generation that we were at least in a stable household where we could have these ideas ideas yeah. right and yeah it, it wasn't perfect at the beginning but you work towards making it what you envision right and, yeah and like even for um like you posting everything on social media i also like that how you post about your parents too like how they support you mm-hmm. in every way which is good for the younger followers for mm-hmm. you because that encourages them in the sense that they don't have any fear and opening they yeah. should be opening up to their they parents should about be. everything and about the creativity and especially sometimes being in a household where there's those expectations mm-hmm. you've kind of given them that oppor- window of opportunity that you can tell your parents about your creativity yeah about what you're interested in and go ahead and pursue that as well so just everything like i i remember recording a video in Punjabi mm-hmm. for the community like addressing this particular thing like communication yeah no matter what it is like I've, I've i'm lucky to have that relationship with my parents but i know that it didn't just like i didn't just wake up like that i remember having being 16 and having a mm-hmm. boyfriend and my mom not talking to me for two years like i've been there yeah. so i get that the communication was the only thing that helped me get to a spot where i could do yeah. whatever i want and my parents are by my side yeah so communication we we have to like push that onto 
this generation, this new generation. Yeah, yeah and that, that video went a little bit viral because it w had such a strong message. I think it resonated mm -hmm. with a lot of people. Um, I guess what, this might be a difficult question to answer, but what kind of advice or how did you develop that ability to communicate with your parents over time? Because you mentioned you know, having a little bit of a rift with your mom. Like yeah. how, do you, how do you repair that and get the communication to where it is now? I would say definitely the fact that I can speak Punjabi is one thing because even to this day, the la like the language we speak at home is fully Punjabi. Mm -hmm. My mom does not speak English with me. My dad does not speak English with me. They can speak it, but yeah. it's not their first language. And a lot of families came here and then it eventually turned into their language that they spoke at home, yeah. English. But that never happened. Like I still yeah. get in trouble if I'm speaking in English at home. So that made it easier because having conversations with them in a language that they fully understand um, yeah. allow, gave them less like reason to just like brush it off and be like, yeah. I don't know, like, I don't yeah. know, because, you know, they can fully understand it. They can engage in a conversation. Yeah. But also like the fact that I'm the youngest of four, like my sisters did all their stuff, ups and downs, mm -hmm. had their boyfriends, had their like experiences in high school, had their kids, had everything. And then for me, I was always watching. And then now that it's, my turn like I can kind of play the game in different yeah. ways and use um, my communication to really show them and then even having a platform they they understand that and they know that I want to um, spread a message with that platform so they're even more willing to have these conversations and be the parents um, you know setting that example yeah so it's it's slow work in progress yeah I know communication is a big thing especially yeah. in the younger like we've all been through it so yeah we kind of we know what the rifts are but yeah. I feel like nowadays because of technology mm -hmm. and so many more things that we weren't exposed to it's a lot harder for kids there's that gap between technology and kind of communicating to their parents yeah. and they've kind of lost that communication Absolutely. so it's good to, for them to see that mm -hmm. that you know they should have that communication and yeah, and even, like, the after open. the rifts, like, my actions. The only yeah. thing that would be help me are communicating with my parents or yeah. when they weren't communicating with me, my actions. Like, yeah. showing that, like, you know, I am I understand where I went wrong. Like, these are the things that I'm doing right in my life. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's all that it is. Yeah. All right, so now that you've had a conversation with us for over an hour, <laughs> um, you say you work best with styling people once you've had a conversation with them and you kind of get a gauge of the person that they are. So now that you have spoken to us, we're gonna, the, the immigrant hustle needs uh, your advice for fashion. <sighs> so let's say Noise, Jasney, and Magic have a, have a night out on the town and we wanna be spiffy. Now that you know our personalities, each person, how would you style us? For, for, okay. for just, a, just a night out. It doesn't yeah. have to be like a extravagant event. Well, you guys um, both give me like outcast vibes. Yeah. Don't so. tell me that. <laughs> so I <laughs> I'm feel the biggest like, outcast fan ever. So I feel like you guys could pull off like anything. I think I put noise in a really bright like two-piece jumpsuit. Okay. Like something bright and patterned. And then like some fly Jordans. Yeah. I think that should just be your everyday wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and then different, like, T-shirts. 
If I don't see you in a tracksuit next time, we're having a podcast. Yo, I just have that image in my head of Andre. I can't remember what video it was where he's wearing like these furry ass pants. Oh, and, like, yeah, football yeah, shoulder yeah, pads. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How do you rock that? But he made I it work. I think it's... It's, it's one the of those purple stand, pants. It's off the purple pants. album for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Outcast, one of the best dressers ever, man. Yeah. Facts. Um, and then Guggen, I would probably... I don't know. I don't know. I dress too perfectly. Okay. No, yeah, I feel like you could do some pretty wild things. You could do something pretty wild, like overalls. You know what? I've like I've been I've been asked Jasney, I've been trying to buy overalls for the last like two months. But uh, yeah. like I need some really fly ones. And like a cool like beach hat. You know, I'm a hat kind of guy. There you go. Jasney, she actually will look good in anything. <laughs> um, That's I what would, I say. I would put you in like a frilly skirt, oh. like a, a frilly skirt and like something of color. And then yeah. I know you like wearing black, so yeah. I would stick to the top being black. Yeah. And like a really poofy printed skirt, something really big and loud. Feel like that's like somewhere that. where you could experiment. Yeah, like for stick sure. to the black on top <laughs> and like black shoes, but yeah. then like a really fantastic skirt. Now I gotta buy myself a frilly. Just wait till skirt. just <laughs> wait till the next podcast. We're gonna be the flyest looking podcast ever. Now that we've spoken to Sandy Lion. Um, awesome. Noise. We have one last segment before we get on out of here. Yeah, you, so I'll let you introduce it since you're the best at explaining <laughs> it. So we we like to close our shows with a segment. Based on gratitude, uh, just based on the whole concept of giving people their flowers while they can still smell them. Mm -hmm. uh, so whatever person in your life, you don't have to know them. They could be your best friend. They could be someone you've never met. Just someone who's inspired you in some way that you're grateful for and you're grateful for having their influence in your life. So I would definitely, right off the bat, be grateful for having this opportunity to talk to you guys and share so much about my life that I haven't really shared with anyone. And I think it's amazing. I'm grateful to have had this opportunity to speak on a platform like this because I like that you guys bring out those conversations and you have a place for them to live. So I'm grateful for that. Honestly, that was the perfect answer. My <laughs> drop. <laughs> Way to boost us. <laughs> All right, Jasney, you're another new person in the show. So she's what are you grateful, grateful for? for her frilly skirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's Lots of yeah, she's just writing down everything you said <laughs> <Right>? today. <laughs> Mental notes. Um, I think, well, not I think. I know that I am grateful for both my parents, who always supported me in every way and every route. And, you know, especially after everything we discussed today, mm -hmm. um, it makes me more grateful for having that open communication with them and being able to share everything, obviously, with our ups and downs. But I think I'm more grateful for the fact that, you know, I had somebody, me as an only child, like I had yeah. parents, best friends, and they were my siblings. So yeah. I'm grateful for that. That's awesome. Cool. That was a really senty answer. Now I got to think of something good. Yeah. yeah. Mine is like nowhere near as sentimental. Um, but yeah, since we're talking about the, like just hip hop and being inspired by people, um, this morning I was listening to... Um, a track with Kwali and Cool G Rap. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to Cool G Rap for being like God level MC with this because like he kind of gets overlooked. People yeah. know the Tupacs, the Biggies, mm -hmm. the Rockins, but G Rap never gets that praise. 
Um, G-Rap kind of started that lyricist kind yeah. of patterns where you're still saying a lot. Yeah. And he does not, like you're right, him. he doesn't get a lot of credit for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's, he was a big influence on my writing style and the way I kind of structure my patterns yeah. and just listening to a verse. It's a 20-year-old verse, but it still wow. blew my mind like the first time I heard it. Um, so yeah, cool Shout G rap, man. Cool Thankful -rap. for that skill set and <laughs> the way he's inspired so many MCs. Um, I, uh, you know what? I've, I'm going to have a random one this week. Yes. Um, I'm going to be thankful for grandparents because uh, I don't know about you guys, but like in a lot of immigrant families, a lot of us were, were raised by our grandparents. Um, they were my I didn't have any grandparent in my life up until age 10 when I moved to Canada. I obviously my dad, 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 I met them in India and I'd come to Canada to visit my nanny and nana. Once I moved here, my grandparents were pretty much like my parents while my parents were at work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a very important aspect to the person I am. There's a lot that can be learned from our elders and I feel like I don't feel uh, I feel like we should really respect them and even stuff like seeing what happened in California with the hate crime mm -hmm. it, it, it made me think about my my grandfather a lot and my grandfather had a had a stroke a few years back so he's been on bed rest ever since and it, it is a completely different person to the the strong human being I knew for most of my childhood right so Life is very fragile to the point where one day you, our grandparents are gone and stuff like that. So without being too senti, uh, that, that's a thought that I've had a lot recently. And, you know, I'm so thankful that I, that I had all these experiences with them. And to the kids out there listening, yo, don't take that shit for granted ever because mm -hmm. there's so much wisdom in them. So much. Yeah, actually, shout out to my grandpops too. He was on Surfslager TV the other day. Oh, okay. He won three gold medals at a seniors game for 100 meter dash, 400, and 800. Okay. He's 91 years gangster. old. He's still active. Yeah. That is That's awesome. Bro, I'm already feeling my knees at <laughs> age 29, so I don't know what, what I'm going to be doing in my 90s. Yeah. Even my grandpa, like my nana, um, he, he passed away about eight years ago but in india he was actually a bullfighter and he was the only one that can actually butt heads with the bull and wow. the bull would run the <laughs> other way wow. that's crazy that's, uh, and it's crazy that like even when i was talking to Guggenstadt about it he said that he had actually seen one of his um headbutts yeah, <laughs> yeah. He and, like, people head would come and, watch, and people's parents and like literally like i saw i've seen pictures and it was he full-on headbutts the bull and the bull runs the other way wow <laughs> remember that buster rhymes mountain dew commercial <laughs> yeah. i never That's really got hilarious. to meet my any of my grandparents other than once yeah so they both passed away when I was pretty young. Yeah. But I remember earning my first income with my dada when I went to India for the very first time. And he yeah. was like, these are my books. Can you unfold the corners? I'll give you like 100 rupees. And that was like my only like recollection of any yeah. conversation I've had with him. But it was good. Yeah. That's great. Um, with that, this has been the Immigrant Hustle podcast. We've had our special guest, Sandy Lyon, Best once episode. again. 
Thank you very much for coming through. It really means a lot to us. We learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. I did. I learned so much. And I hope that the listeners learned a lot because I definitely did. And it was really great to know you a lot more than I did before you came here. I appreciate uh, it. We wish you all the best in whatever you do in the future. I know you're going to be successful because you, uh, you have that drive within you. Uh, you're welcome back to this podcast, whatever the fuck you want, and you can give us fashion advice all you want. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to still think I'm a better dresser, but you know what? Uh, I'm hard-headed. <laughs> I still took your advice, though. So, But yeah, no, we really do appreciate this, and I'll, I'll yeah. leave you guys with the thank last for, words. Thank you for coming through and sharing your story and just dropping a lot of gems as thank far you. as your hustle, what you do in your day-to-day. Um, we hope it inspires other people the way it inspired us, and... Just need anything you want to say? Yeah, no, thank you for, for everything that you shared with us today. Thank you, guys. Definitely, <laughs> definitely have opened my eyes a lot more. Like, obviously, we knew each other, but I didn't know this much about you and, like, yes. where it all began. And you definitely opened my eyes a lot more in terms of being a bit more daring in the fashion sense. Yay! <laughs> and I have definitely taken mental notes as well. So thank you for everything. Thank you so much, guys. It was awesome. I've seen you guys, like, growing in the community before I even started doing anything. So it's amazing to come and talk on this podcast with you guys. Thank you. Right on. Dope, dope. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Okay.